Greetings to everyone this wonderful resurrection morning. I trust you have had a wonderful time over this Easter, if you choose to call it that way, Passover, if you choose to call it that way. But this weekend that the Lord has blessed us with, and this morning, it's a happy morning overall, all over the world. People are celebrating the Lord's resurrection. And I want to, to pick on the joy of this day. Because oftentimes, we take it for granted that everyone rejoices as much as they should about the resurrection of the Lord. But what we actually will discover is that most people don't actually factor that in as a tenant of our faith. So I want to pick on the book of John, John chapter 20, when Jesus appears to his disciples after that resurrection. It says, I'm reading from verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And that's, that's, that's the theme I want to carry, that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. There is a story that I want to read for us. It's a wonderful story from the book called Jesus Freaks. It's an extract of a number of stories. But there's a story told by Richard Wombrandt. I'm sure most of us know him, um, of the voice of Matthias. He tells the story of the Russian captain who heard about the resurrection story. The story is entitled Jubilant Dance for Jesus. Christianity has become dramatic with us, wrote Pastor Richard Wombrand, a leader of the underground church in communist Romania. When Christians in free countries win a soul for Christ, the new believer may become a member of a quietly living church, typical of our churches these days. But when those in captive nations win someone, we know that he may have to go to prison and that his children may become orphans. The joy of having brought someone to Christ is always mixed with this feeling that there is a price that must be paid. And I imagine a price that most of us never really think of. When I, still living I was still living behind the iron curtain, I had met a Russian captain. He loved God. He longed after God. But he had never seen a Bible. He had never attended a religious service. He had no religious education. But he loved God without the slightest knowledge of him. I read to him the Sermon on the Mount and the parables of Jesus. After hearing them, he danced around the room in rapturous joy, proclaiming, What a wonderful beauty! How could I live without knowing this Christ? It was the first time that I saw someone jubilating in Christ. Then I made a mistake. 
I read to him the passion and the crucifixion of Christ without having prepared him for this. He had not expected it. When he heard how Christ was beaten, how he was crucified, criticized, and that in the end how he died, he fell in an armchair and began to weep bitterly. He had believed in a savior, and now his savior was dead. I looked at him, and I was ashamed that I had called myself a Christian and a pastor, a teacher of others. Yet I had never shared the sufferings of Christ as this Russian officer now shared them. Looking at him, for me, was like seeing Mary Magdalene weeping at the foot of the cross or at the empty tomb. Then I read to him the story of the resurrection. When he heard this wonderful news that the Savior arose from the tomb, he slapped his knees and shouted for joy. He's alive! He's alive! And again, he danced around the room, overwhelmed with happiness. I said to him, let us pray. He fell on his knees together with me. He did not know our holy phrases. His ways of prayer were, Oh God, what a fine chap you are. If I were you and you were me, I would never have forgiven you your sins. But you are really a very nice chap. I love you with all my heart. I think that all the angels in heaven stopped what they were doing to listen to this sublime prayer from this Russian officer. When this man received Christ, he knew he would immediately lose his position as an officer. That prison and perhaps death in jail would almost surely follow. He gladly paid the price. He was ready to lose everything for Christ. For me, the most amazing part of this read is how this guy had the first time really the story of resurrection. And he was very excited. And today it's actually, it would have to be a party celebrating such. We celebrate a lot on Christmas. We celebrate a lot on many other days. And... Those days that we have called Christian holidays. But actually many of us seldom celebrate resurrection from a place of revelation. So here's a question. What are we actually celebrating? Is it just that he rose again? Or there is actually something significant for us? In the resurrection of Christ, there is victory against and victory for. The former is victory against all that stood in opposition to God's plan about our lives. It's victory against the devil and his cohorts, against the grave, against the curses. It's victory 
against all that stood opposed to divine intention for the human race. And the latter is the victory in the establishment of God's original blessed purpose for our lives. So this morning I just want to share a few biblical truths that should make us jubilant about resurrection morning. About the fact that Christ rose again. This is a tenant of our faith that far supersedes and separates us from all other religions because resurrection is not only a fact that God in, in, in Jesus Christ overcame death and the grave, but it's actually the fact that he ascends and he proves to be not just human, but fully God. And these are some of the things that we, God has made us partake in, in Christ's resurrection. Number one, I want to highlight that Christ's resurrection is the cornerstone and the assurance of our new birth. When we read in 1 Peter 1, 3, this is what it says. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Which means we are born again of the incorruptible seed of the word of God. We are born again of the spirit of God. But what actually authenticates the fact that we are born again is that when Christ died, we died with him and in him we were resurrected and we were given a new birth. Hence, the life in us emanates from the resurrection life that Christ and us. Christ indeed and us resurrection life that we speak of, the resurrection power that resides in us is a, res is a result of Christ's resurrection. When you read in Romans chapter 6, verse 4 and 11, they allude to the fact that we died with Christ we were raised with him, and as such, we should, in our living, realize that we need to live in the newness of life. How does the newness of life come? It comes when the old life is gone. How does the old life go? It goes when the old man dies. So the old man dies, the new man resurrects, and we are resurrected in the new life. We are born again. And therefore, this is victory for us. It's victory against the old man. But it's a celebratory time that we can actually be assured that if Christ really rose again, we can truly believe that we are born again. Secondly, resurrection ensures our justification. If you read in Romans 4.25, it says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And this is how this works. If Christ didn't resurrect, it means he would have certainly died because Sin, the wages of sin that was placed upon him would have actually 
brought the price, the cost of it. What is the cost of sin? The wages of sin is death. And therefore Christ would have just died and that would have been it. But if Christ died and doesn't resurrect, we don't have a leg to stand upon when we come to God to be declared not guilty because the demand of the law for the penalty of sin to be paid, it would have been paid but not presented because there's no resurrection. But when Christ resurrects, he resurrects having paid the price for sin. He resurrects into a new life. And therefore, he stands not only in our stead, but we stand in him justified. The Bible says we stand in this grace now justified. We stand before God justified. Why? Because we are resurrected as new beings. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. If he's a new creation, he stands justified. And that is because of the resurrection. We can declare ourselves not guilty because the blood washed us. But if the proof of the cleansing blood was not presented through justification to the Father, we would stand condemned. Next, Christ's resurrection qualifies us for a high place in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2, 6-7 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.12 affirms, he says, Having been buried with him in baptism, which is what we read in Romans chapter 6, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Then it further confirms our high positioning as a result of resurrection leading to ascension. So since then you have been raised with Christ. I'm reading from Colossians chapter 3 now, verse 1 to 2. So since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Now, here's the question. If we seated with Christ, Christ, we, were, we died with him, we rose, we resurrected with him, we ascended with him. From that resurrection comes our ascension. Our ascension leads to our positioning with him. And I want to read how Paul puts this. How God raised Jesus. Speaking of the power of resurrection. He says in Ephesians chapter 1, I want to take it in the midsection of verse 19. It says, That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above 
all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Which means where we are seated as a result of the resurrection of Christ, as a result of being carried in that resurrection. It's in a supreme place of power. I want to imagine that people, therefore, who understand the implication, the spiritual implication of resurrection in the heavenly places are people who will walk with greater authority because they know that if Christ was resurrected, we were resurrected with him in the spirit. We are seated with him. Therefore, we have authority over all the powers of darkness. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen where you are seated. Number five, Christ's in resurrection ensures perfect immortal bodies for us when we leave this decaying body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us. First Corinthians 6, 14 tells us. And I want to read this wonderful portion in 2 Corinthians 4, from 14 to 15, it says, Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. So, when we think of resurrection morning, we should also be looking at our bodies. We should be looking at the fact that whilst we are decaying outwardly, whilst it seems that sickness and disease and every other pestilence is ravaging this body, Paul not only says that whilst we are, we are wasting outwardly, but we are being renewed, resurrection actually guarantees that, that this body, indeed, it will be sown a, a mortal body. It will be raised an immortal body. It will be sown a body of flesh, but it will be resurrected as a spiritual body. And I imagine so many of us, in our own troubles with sickness and disease, we have lost the hope of a new spiritual body. We have lost the hope of being renewed in Christ. We've actually taken what happens to this body so serious that we actually think this is the end of it. Therefore, we take care of this body to the detriment of our own spirit. The body is important. We need to exercise it. We need to feed it properly. We need to do what needs to be done. But the body, if you die and you are in Christ, you will have a new one. 
The problem is when you put so much emphasis on the body to the detriment of your spirit, when you die, your spirit would not be renewed. It can only be renewed this side of life. And I want to say to someone who's watching us this morning, never overestimate the importance of your body above your spirit. Man will live in this body during his time on earth. Beyond that, he will receive a body. Uh, this body, I don't know how true this is, but those who seem to have inside knowledge about hell, they say you will still be tormented there in the body. Your body will be disfigured and so all kinds of things will happen to you. So I want you to pause and think about it. For many of us, we would rationally not invest in any dying thing. We would want to invest in something that will bring us return. But spiritually, we lose that rationality. We invest so much in our bodies. And the Bible simply puts it this way to us. Says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So, number six. There are obviously implications, ethical implications of how we live based on our revelation of resurrection. Not only should we be jubilant and joyful and anticipate the good things, but here's a few other things. Our understanding of the resurrection warrants and necessitates that we live in the newness of life, that we become aware that there's resurrection life in us. Therefore, we don't live like we are still living through the influence of the old man. It necessitates that we are bound in good works. Why? Because we are new people, newly empowered, looking to a new home. That we should consider our eternal rewards. When you don't think about the resurrection, you don't actually think about judgment properly. Because when you think about judgment, you have to think about what have you done in this body and therefore what are the rewards you are going to have living in your new body before the Lord. One of the things that are of great significance and it's a shame that even though we talk about sin, we no longer emphasize, as we should, the need for holiness. Sin corrupts, sin pollutes, sin destroys. But what are the benefits of holiness? That question we will answer sometime. Romans chapter 6 says these words from verse 12 to 13. It says, therefore, do not let sin 
reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. What does that mean? Offer yourselves to God as those that have been resurrected and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. When we can celebrate and ascribe the Jew importance to the resurrection of Christ, then we will see the necessity to live a holy life. We will see why the devil is fearful of those who walk in the newness of life because in the newness of resurrection life and resurrection power, not only do we discover who we are divinely, what power we have, what has been done for us, no, but in actual fact, we stop living like hypocrites. And as I had mentioned before, the evil of hypocrisy is really not trying to be what you are not. It's in fact denying what you truly are. And therefore, when we think of resurrection, we can understand that I am in Christ. I am an overcome. I'm seated with him. And I want to pray. And I want to say to those who are watching, if you are not born again, be aware that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, when you read from verse 9, it speaks of the fact that you can take it from 7, uh, uh, talking about a carnal man and, and, and a spiritual man. But the point I want to emphasize is this. It says, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And because regeneration comes by the spirit of God, we find ourselves in this resurrection life through submitting to the Holy Spirit, and receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And so I want to pray for you wherever you are. If you seek, experience the resurrection power that invigorates our mortal bodies. If you are lost, you are in sin, allow the life of Christ, because the law of life in the spirit is the one that sets you free from the law of sin and death. If you find yourself not born again, living in sin, the Bible then says you are dead in your sins. But now you can die to sin and die with Christ and then you can receive Jesus Christ, receive resurrection life and experience resurrection power. So won't you pray with me wherever you are. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you came, that you died, and you rose again. I thank you that on this resurrection morning, I can be counted amongst those that were once dead in their trespasses and sins. But as I take this step of putting my faith in you, as Lord and Savior, as I confess with my mouth, believing deep in my heart that
you were raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, as I do this, as I put my life totally surrendered to you, today I will become a new person, new life, resurrection life. Today, as you were resurrected many years ago for my sake, I jump in into that resurrection life and into the newness of life. And I thank you for loving me this much, having shown me what you wanted to do, the cost you paid, having heard all that was read and preached over this weekend. I consider myself blessed and favored that you died and today I am your child. For this I thank you. Give me grace to be honest, to be holy, to be courageous, to tell others about the life that I found in you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us, God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful year ahead. Amen. Mm-hmm.